Well, today's song, uh, this Kung Fu Cowboy here and a cat named Bear. In fact, <laughs> I was recording a, a podcast uh, for the philosopher-poet Richard Del Conner, one of my other identities. Richard Del Conner, the philosopher-poet. And my cat interrupted me and, you know, gave some attention. And then he interrupted me some more, so then I went and fed him. <clears throat> and then after I fed him, he came back, and he still wanted uh, some attention, so I had to give him some hugs and hold him. And then he was done, and then I was gone up and taking a nap. So... <laughs> I try not to be resentful of it being a distraction sometimes when I really, I've got something that I think might be more important to do. I have to realize, kind of like with my kids, that the times and moments you're with them, they're the priority, and that's the way it is with my cat. So I had to make him my priority for a little bit, and now I can go back to making me my own priority. So here we are um, on the Kung Fu Cowboy and a Cat Named Bear episode. And uh, Bear was my best friend for many years. Uh, in fact, I was mentioned the story of it in my last podcast I, about how, why I adopted him. Because I, I was adamant to my son. He was my son's cat. And in 2014, they were moving to a, a townhouse. He was going with my daughter to this townhouse. And they couldn't have pets. And so uh, he, they were giving away all their cats to the pound. And this one particular cat, every time I went over to my son's house, you know, just hang out with him and uh, kind of rebond with him. Uh, he, uh, this cat would sit on my lap and just hold on as if we were on a sinking ship in the middle of a storm. And it was, it was kind of, well, it, it touched me. It, it made me real, it made me compassionate towards him and made me, he was asking for help. And, and I'm the kind of person who has trouble really I can't help everybody, but if somebody asks me for help, then it's really hard for me to say no. And I won't, the odds are 90%, I'll say yes. So anyway, my cat, that cat was asking for help. And so I adopted him and we lived a very difficult life. Um, almost lost him many times. In fact, when I first started, when he was a kitten, he was really cute and he would wander around near my car and then I couldn't find him and I'd look around and I'd see some girl walking away with him and I'd say, hey, where are you going with my cat? And she goes, oh, I'm rescuing this cat. I go, that's my cat. You're stealing him. You're not rescuing him. And so I'd, uh, that happened three times at least. And then a couple other times around um, Halloween, I'd actually been warned because he's a black cat. Um, some Latina women would try to steal him because they wanted to sacrifice him. They actually wanted to kill him and do whatever they do, which I don't even want to know what it is. But all I know is it's not good for my cat, and it's not even good for them, but that's what superstition is. In fact, I've got a great poem on superstition. Um, well, I've got a, a few of them uh, you know, about... Anyway, they're about, well, the origin of suffering. I think it's origin of suffering part two or number two. That one has, is really deals with people and superstitious thinking. So anyway, uh, Kung Fu Cowboy here. And uh, the reason I, my topic today was I had chosen a song called Black Hills Ride. And now Black Hills Ride is my memories of driving through the Black Hills of South Dakota when I went there back in the mid-90s for my Hanbleccia, which is a vision quest. In the Jewish tradition, that might be your bar mitzvah or something, except instead of throwing a party, they throw you up on a mountain. <laughs> if you survive, you're supposed to come back with a vision. So the actual translation of Hanbleccia or vision quest is not vision quest. The, the, actual translation, the actual translation is crying for a vision. So you go up there without any food, without any water, and you starve for up to four days. And then you're 
whatever your quest, your quest is, or you're a young man, you don't even know what your quest is, you're supposed to find some sort of enlightenment. And perhaps back in the days um, two, three hundred years ago, you know, it was maybe more tribal. You were trying to think of a way to fit into the tribe or something or find your place in the tribe. So I was on my vision quest. And anyway, but the Black Hills ride is driving through those mountains, which, of course, connects me to all those memories. And that's a long story. In fact, it's a 111-page story that I wrote, my little journal, as I was on my vision quest. And that album was only released in cassette during the 90s. <clears throat> I wrote a bunch of songs to uh, detail that journey. And this song wasn't one of them. This song was written actually much later. I wrote this in 2014 when I was under my son's house, you know, in my car. And I was writing, I was just practicing on flute. And got to thinking, you know, came up with this thing. I thought, this is nice. And then I started to envision it being a, a driving song and the roads. And then I started imagining the Black Hills. And boom, I had this inspiration. And I wrote this song, Black Hills. Black Hills Ride. So, <clears throat> because it is, it's the drive. It's not just standing there looking at the Black Hills. It's driving through them. In fact, when I performed it, I've had people come up after it and say, yes, I could see you driving and I could picture it. And I saw that rabbit in the road and things like that. And, uh, and it's true. I always, whenever I perform the song, I'd always close my eyes because if my eyes are open, I, it's, it's not an inspired song. I'm just playing a bunch of notes. So I would have to always close my eyes and imagine the turns and the drives and the trees and the corners. And that's, that's what made the song so cool. I could even picture my, I always pictured myself on a motorcycle too, which was the next thing, you know, myself on a chopper. I used to have a little chopper, a Triumph chopper. And uh, I've always wanted another one, not a big, huge thing that would kill me if it fell on me, but uh, probably like a, maybe a Triumph 900. And then I'd extend the forks on it and customize it a little bit. And that'd be my new chopper. But anyway, the, um, I've always thought of it as being on a motorcycle. So at the very end, at the end of the song, I always in my mind picture myself stopping and putting the kickstand down. So the very end of the song is me actually in my mind picturing putting the kickstand down and then, you know, ste you know, being stepping off the bike. So the. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's Black Hills Ride. And I'm really excited to share that with you now. And what else was I got to say about the Han Bletchia, the drive? The um, homeless life was, oh, it was about a cat named Bear, too, because it's the Kung Fu Cowboy story. So from 2014 to 2019, when I ended my homelessness, I was, well, basically a shorter term than that. Actually, it was like 2012 when the Kung Fu Cowboy started. Well, it actually started back in the 80s because I always wore a cowboy hat and I did Kung Fu. So I've always been known as the Kung Fu Cowboy. But this particular part of the actual legend of me being a character, the, the Kung Fu Cowboy, was something I was dressing on a daily basis because when I became homeless in 2012, one of the best jobs I could get was working as a stagehand. And you always wore black, you know, because you're a stagehand. And then you had to wear a hard hat, but I didn't like wearing hard hats. I'd already been a construction worker. So I wore a black cowboy hat, and I was able to get out of wearing that hard hat a lot of the time. And so I always wore a cowboy hat on every job I was on. And so wherever I was, people didn't know me because I was be different crews and different um, corporations, you know, contractors or whatever. But I was always wearing that black cowboy hat. So people would just yell out, cowboy! Or if they knew I was the Kung Fu cowboy, they'd yell out, kung fu! And I knew that was me. There was nobody else who got called kung fu or cowboy. I mean, there probably were, but I, I never ran into them. <laughs> Plus, I don't think anybody, I never saw, 
Did I see anybody else with a cowboy hat? There was one other guy in, in Las Vegas. There was one guy who also wore a black cowboy hat, but he was a, like a foreman. And he was the only other guy I ever saw with a black cowboy hat. So anyway, or any cowboy hat. So anyway, I was a cowboy or kung fu cowboy or kung fu uh, for many years. And that's what they'd call me on the jobs. They didn't bother to know my name because that was, you know, it was very impersonal. You show up and you work and they could see me. Hey, cowboy. You know, it was just really easy. They'd, and I would recognize, I, I'd turn. If you just yelled, hey, you, you know, and there's 20 other guys working there. <laughs> it'd be hard to figure out who, who they're talking to. So that, that became really my name for many years. And. And I didn't mind that because I do Kung Fu and I've always been a cowboy, uh, you know, at heart since I was a little kid, you know, wearing different cowboy hats and living out in the wild and, and hunting and fishing and hiking and, you know, wearing a cowboy hat. So anyway, that's just, just who I am. It's just natural. And then, well, to really add on to that, unlike my brothers or anything, I really grasped or grabbed onto the old black and white westerns of gun smoke. Have Gun, Will Travel, um, Sh uh, Cheyenne, Wagon Train. Those, those movies or those TV shows, the black and white ones, just really resonated with me with the stories, the, the actual themes, the moral lessons in those stories. Back in those days, they weren't writing to just keep your attention. They were writing to win an award. <laughs> More, they, they were actually trying to put a theme into them. They, 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 they made those songs important. I think the writers felt probably a greater sense of satisfaction than any modern-day television writers do because I think that they probably were aware of their little achievements in, in developing these little moral-themed stories that had a lesson in them uh, that you could learn from, and I did. I, most people may not have even grasped the lessons, but I did. I saw little moral lessons and, and ethics built into all those Westerns. And so actually at the, after the turn of the century, you know, back in the early 2000s, I, uh, I got the Turner Western Channel or whatever, and that was the only thing I watched. I didn't watch any other shows or videos or anything. I, I, I would just watch the Western Channel, and I was too busy to watch television. For, in fact, during the 1970s and 80s, uh, it was forbidden for there to be a television in my home because I just thought of it as a distraction. I'm a creative person. I want to create things to be on TV. I don't want to watch TV. That's a waste of time for me. So I, I was banned, and a lot of people resented that when they'd, like, I'd rent out a room or something. I said, no, you can't have a TV in this house. <laughs> like, what? And I said, no. You know, I'll, if you got it on and I walk by and your door's open, I'll stand there in the hallway and watch it because I'm a real victim of TV. It grabs my attention. I'm, I'm also very susceptible to television. It, it, it grabs my interest. And then you sit there for an hour and go, oh, that was a waste of time. I just lost an hour of my life watching something stupid. So I really resent that, and so I resent TV, television, and I don't have a television now. And I've been offered a couple since I've ended my homelessness. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm actually having too much trouble because of Trump. This last year, I was watching all the YouTube videos regarding politics, and I'm trying not to do that now. I mean, that's just a waste. God, I bet it was very interesting to me. And I did learn a lot about politics, but my goodness, think of all the hours I spent just watching all those YouTube, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, Bloomberg, BBC, all those different channels, Stephen Colbert, Seth Riggs, uh, um, Jimmy Kimmel. You know, that's a lot of television I've watched in the last year, and I really, eh, maybe a slightly better person for it because I know more about politics, but... I, I want to just trust the government to do their job. It's not my job to watch them, you know, piss me off for doing, being incompetent, which, God, they are. 
it's amazing how incompetent most of our government is. I can see why we rebelled against them in the 60s. I'm ready to rebel against them again, except I really just got more important things to do in my personal world because nobody cares what I think right now. So <laughs> rebelling is kind of futile. It's like, you know, being in the middle of a lake and trying to shout to the president. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to hear me. Ducks don't care. So anyway, getting back to the Kung Fu Cowboy and a cat named Bear here. So anyway, today's song is Black Hills Ride. And I think I told you a little bit about the story of it and how I wrote it in 2014 when I was in the back of my truck sitting there practicing my flute, you know, maybe every day and, uh, you know, trying to yeah, rebuild it. I didn't end up performing on the flute for a few years, and it frustrated me. I was thinking in 2015 of becoming a comedian, and I performed a few acts at the uh, Ha Ha and uh, uh, a few of the other little comedy clubs, you know, in North Hollywood and Hollywood here in Los Angeles. And I realized that, yeah, I could be a comedian, but I don't cuss. Number two, I try not to be too too mean to people when I talk about them. And third of all, I didn't have the money for booze. I could, you, you got to buy the two drink minimums, you know, at even the open mics and things like this. And so that was like $25. And I had a friend of mine, one of my students, Oscar Barrera, who's trying to be my manager at the time. So that was like 50 bucks to, to perform one time. That was our expense. And we figured I was going to have to perform about, um, oh, quite a few times before I could get my act together, 20, 30, I forget what we estimated, but we figured it was going to be a minimum of $1,000 just in two drink minimums for us. <coughs> Excuse me. Even though we were both just drinking coffee. But let me go. I need a drink of water. See you later. Enjoy your song, Black Hills Bride. All right. Having fun here. We're going to do another take of Black Hills Bride here. Another positioning. I'm kind of blocking
That was take four. Let's see how that sounded. 